if you've ever wondered how does this ironclad spendthrift trust help you with taxes on passive income and active ordinary income, you come to the right place, although I'm sure the answer is not what you're expecting. In this video, I'm going to go over what passive income is, the different forms that we often see. I'll talk about ordinary income, active ordinary income, how that usually is manifested so you can get an idea of you know, what type of income you have coming in in your life. And finally, I'm going to talk to you about how the trust can absolutely reduce, legally reduce uh, most of your taxes on this without any problem. So let's get started. All right, so I want to talk to you about passive income. So what does that mean when someone says, well, do you have passive income? Well, it's very it's very simple. It has to do with mostly with investments. So for example, if you uh, have uh, a mutual fund, if you have a, a stock portfolio, maybe you invest in bonds. Uh, so that's, uh, uh, I would say probably the majority of the, pa the passive income that uh, Americans get in in a year, it has to do with stocks and bonds or mutual funds, something along the lines of, of uh, th that type of investment. So if you keep it in your you know, portfolio, you don't, you don't sell it, then you're not having any tax on that. When you do sell it, then that becomes a capital gains event for you. Now, capital gains, it goes anywhere from 15 to 20 percent or higher, depending on how much you have, you know, what, what the gains are and so forth. If you're single, if you're, if you're, if you're married, but ultimately let's just say 20, 20% is pretty much standard. So we'll just go from that. So let's say that if you sell some stock and you sell some bonds and you, you know, your, your uh, gain is a hundred thousand dollars, then you know that 20% of that's going to go over to the IRS as a capital gains tax. So where else do we see, uh, capital gains events on on investments. Well, real estate's a big one. So if you have an investment property, let's say that I have a, I don't know, let's say I have an apartment building that maybe has 50 doors. And so that's, if I sell that property for 200, let's say, let's say a million dollars, okay? So I sell it for a million dollars and I have maybe $200,000 worth of mortgages on that, which means my gain is the equity, which would be $800,000. So then 20% of $800,000 would be my capital gains tax. So listen, of course, uh, if you're a real estate investor, you're aware that there's a program called a 1031 exchange, and most people try to use that. Uh, it's inefficient. It doesn't work very well. Probably less than 50 1031 exchanges actually work. And it, all it does is just keep the can down the road. It doesn't permanently defer any capital gains. It's more of just a stopgap measure. I'll get into that more later as we talk about the trust. But I just want to let you know that that's typically the strategy that real estate investors use to try to avoid paying capital gains taxes at the beginning. So besides real estate investing, let's talk about crypto or Forex, those types of those types of investments. Well, it's the same situation. You put money into the uh, whatever you're using, you can just put it into you, know, you buy, uh, you know, you have you have crypto in your in your soft wallet or you have it in your hard wallet. If you have a Forex account, you've put it usually with a company, some kind of a trading company, a brokerage, and they they trade for you. They manage your, your portfolio and so forth. As long as you're letting it ride, then there's no taxes. But then when you take it out, 
then that's a different story. That's a capital gains event as well. And so obviously crypto has taken a huge dive lately, but I don't seem to, I don't think that that's going to go away. I think just too much demand for some kind of alternative currency. So I think it's going to bounce back eventually. But regardless, whether you have a, a lot into crypto or you wiped out or you never got into it anyway, eventually, uh, if you do invest in that, understand it's, that's those are the rules is that the key is that it's going to be, um, you know, it's going to be taxed eventually. And I know there's a lot of gray area right now, but I, I think that you know that the overarching reaching arm of the government eventually is going to get their hands on it or going to try to get their hands on it. So, you know, understand that having a, a good legal way of reducing your taxes or deferring them completely permanently is something you need to have. And so I know a lot of people now with inflation going up, they have started investing in gold, you know, precious metals, gold, silver, platinum, things like that. That's also a, a nice haven. But eventually, when you decide to sell, that's those are going to be capital gains events. So I just want to kind of give you a big quick overview of what passive income is. It can also be a situation where you have uh, multi-level marketing or you have some kind of affiliate income coming in. Or if you have insurance, for example, if you're an insurance agent and you're, those policies, they um, – you know, they renew or whatever, that's passive income for you. So you're going to be having income coming in as well. That's not, you're not actively, you're not actively, um, you know, uh, providing a, a service or you're selling a product. So, um, but what I'd like for you to do right now is to subscribe. I love it when I have subscribers and they come to my my videos and they, 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 uh, they get notified, they hit the little bell and they know that when I drop a video, it comes out. I try to do one of these once a week, at least. So uh, please do me a favor and subscribe and get access and get notified whenever I drop another, another one of these knowledge nuggets for you. All right, so let's talk now about uh, active ordinary income. That has a lot of people. So when you think about ordinary active income, the first thing I think about are 1099 contractors. I tell you what, I have start. I started educating people about uh, taxes and this trust and so forth. Uh, I started doing this actively in spring of 2022, and I tell you, of all the people, all the categories of people I talk to, nobody engenders such compassion in my heart as 1099 people because you folks are getting hit hard with taxes, and I just feel for you. You don't have much in write-offs. And so you're just getting that, you know, I mean, the way it works is if you if you make less than one hundred sixty five thousand dollars a year, you're being taxed at twenty four thousand uh, dollars to be twenty four percent, I should say. And if you get above one hundred sixty five thousand dollars and you're being taxed at at thirty two percent. Doesn't seem fair, right? I mean, you're out there working, you're you're doing the best you can, and you know the investors that have money, you know the rich investors, you know the 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 uh, crypto and the gold and the and the real estate investors and stocks and bonds. I mean, their capital gains events are what twenty percent maximum, and here you are actively providing a service, you know, contributing to society, and you're getting stuck with thirty two thirty two percent if you are you know, successful and you're making over $165,000. So that's a big, that's a lot of money. Also, you'd be surprised. There's a lot of doctors out there that do not have their private practice who are being paid by 1099 and they are getting hit. They're already getting hit with mal malpractice insurance. They have to be insured up to yin yang. So that you don't, you think of doctors and oh, well, they're all, you know, they're rich. They had this money. Boy, they got a lot of expenses. And if you're, if you're a doctor and you're working, you're a 1099 status, oof, 
man, we need to talk because this is really, you know, there's a lot of tax. I'm trying to tell you that, right? Uh, business owners, same thing. If you're, whatever business you're providing, if you're, if you're providing a service or if you are, uh, you know, selling a product or some kind of courses, it doesn't matter. You're selling something and you have, that is ordinary active income for you. So if you're, you know, granted, you have a lot more expenses, but then, you know, you've got to, you know, that's a lot of taxes, the, taxes at the end of the day. And, you know, real estate investors, obviously, you know, real estate investors are, um, you know, they're the ones that um, who are doing flips. Right. Or, you know, I guess that's pretty much and wholesaling. I guess wholesaling, too, because a wholesaler is when you find a property, you get under contract, you try to find a buyer and then who wants to wants to pay uh, $15,000 more than the price you have it at. And then they you sign a a. Um, uh, an assignable contract with the with the homeowner, so that way you can assign your interest in the contract to a third a third party buyer, and then at closing you get the difference. Okay, so that is uh, that's considered ordinary income. I used to flip properties all the time, and I would come in, let's say, take them subject to. I would, you know, I would the homeowners in foreclosure, they had equity, so I said, look, I'll give you fifteen thousand dollars if you sign the deed over to me, and then I'll reinstate your mortgage and I'll make your mortgage payments until at such time that I decide to sell the property. So when I did that. Then whatever my profit was, you know, usually I flipped them like within a year, less than a year actually. So that was considered ordinary income for me, and so that was I made a lot of money at it. So I was always getting taxed at thirty-two percent, and then that just gives you an idea of what active income is and passive income. So from a tax point of view, from a tax reduction point of view, then you know we have to have a different strategy. Our strategy is one, but it has two, it has strategy A and strategy B. So I'll go into that uh, here later. But what I want you to do first is I'd like for you to leave me a comment. Just go down into the comment section and uh, just let me know what you think. I don't care if it's negative or positive. I just want to know what you think because, uh, yes, I'm interested in what you're doing. But most importantly, I'm interested in that algorithm helping me out because I want this to get out to more people and the more engagement I have in my on my videos and the more people that YouTube uh, uh, shows it to. So uh, do me a solid and just go down there and uh, leave a comment. That'd be awesome. So we've talked about what passive income is. We've talked about what active ordinary income is. Now let's talk about how we can reduce those suckers down You know, by as much as 97% or even 100%. And how we do that? is this amazing ironclad trust it is the official name is called the non-grantor irrevocable complex discretionary spendthrift trust and it's one of the most amazing uh, instruments and investment strategies i've ever seen not that i'm you know a newbie in this obviously i've been doing this for a while i've been i've had I've been an investor for 20 years i until i heard about this i didn't even know this was out there and the, you know the the challenge for a lot of people is we think that if we don't know something, it means there's nothing else out there. And actually, this has been out there for decades and decades. It's just nobody knew about it. So I want to show you how, as a trust, can 100% defer, permanently defer, any taxes you have from your passive income. So remember, we talked about that would be stocks and bonds, real estate, crypto, forex, precious metals, where you're selling something and then the proceeds, the profit is subject to capital gains tax. Well, people, you may not know this, but if you previously sell your assets to the trust and they become a trust asset and you are the, the, the um, uh, trustee, 
and you have 100% discretion on how these things can be done. And with this particular trust, in accordance with IRS Code uh, 643B, this means that any taxes that come in, any capital gains taxes that come in from the sale of these capital assets are permanently deferred. You will never pay taxes on those as long as the trust is in existence. There won't be any taxes paid on that. And that trust, as long as it's allocated to the, the corpus of the trust and you don't disperse it out, then you're not, those taxes are completely permanently deferred. So let's talk about real estate investing. I told you that a lot of real estate investors use a 1031 exchange. So what that means is that they, with for the time their property closes, you sell your property, then you have 45 days to get that under contract and you have to close within uh, six months. And it has to be uh, apples to apples. So if you're off a little bit, let's say you couldn't find the same square footage, or let's say it wasn't within five years of, of the year it was built, or you know the price was different, you're going to pay taxes for whatever is the uh, difference. It's called the boot is in 1031 um, parlance. So they don't really, they, listen, they don't work as well as you might think. Lots of times, I'd say well over 50% of the time, they're not, they don't work because you can't, you can't just can't get, jump through all the hoops and get everything done in time. So you're having to, you're forced to pay capital gains. So what if, but if it does work, then you put your money into that property. And I mean, I give me a property you want. I've talked to so many investors and said, look, I didn't want that property really, but I just had to because I didn't want to pay capital gains. Well, now with the trust, if you if you previously sold your asset to the trust and you sell sell that asset, then you can decide if you want to sell that or not. You don't have to sell. You can keep the money in your trust as long as it's allocated to the corpus of the trust. You're fine. So honestly, you don't need to do a, cap, a 1031 exchange ever again if you're a real estate investor. Now, same thing with crypto, forex, metals, anything that's capital gains, like I said, right? So make sure that the trust owns those assets. And if, you, if you're working with an exchange, make sure that the trust is the one that has the exchange. That's, you know, and listen, if, you, if, you, if it actually can't happen that way, then make sure you bring the money into the trust and you can still get the, the capital gains uh, deferment that way. Ultimately, what you want to do is make sure that money is going into the trust and therefore any capital gains can be permanently deferred in accordance with IRS Code 643. So let's talk about the active ordinary income. That's a little bit trickier, but you can still get it done. In this case, we don't want that active income coming to the trust because the trust can only permanently defer passive income that comes to it. So how do we get around that? Well, we can use either a business trust or we can use a limited liability company, LLC. And I'm not going to go deep in the weeds about this. I would encourage you to reach out to me. I can get into much greater detail for you. But what I will say is that um, you can set up an LLC, like I said, and make the trust a 90% member of your LLC. And when, you're, when your LLC is just there, it doesn't have any assets with which to generate revenue. What you want to do previously to using this strategy is you want to sell all of your business assets, tangible and intangible, which includes your know-how, your strategies, your secrets, your database, everything you've built up in here that run your business. You wanna actually monetize that and sell that to yourself first, and then you sell it to the trust. So these become trust assets. So when you're gonna change and adopt this tax strategy, 
your LLC needs to have access to those assets in order to generate revenue. So what you're going to do is you're going to have the trust that your trustee of is going to lease those assets to the LLC. And so then, so that way now the LLC can, can generate revenue, income starts coming in, you run your business like, but here's where the, here's where the, the main uh, key is to reducing taxes, both on the LLC side and on the trust side. All we're going to do here is when you have your final pre-tax net income for your LLC, we're going to add two more expenses to your LLC. You might be saying, well, Don, what are the expenses? Well, you've got, a, you've got a, a lease now. A lease is an expense for the LLC. So the IRS will allow up to 90%, excuse me, I'm sorry, up to 70% of your pre-tax net income to be used as a lease payment. So let's say if you had a million dollars is what your net income was for your LLC, 70% of that is $700,000. So you can send that over to the trust as a lease payment, which is going to reduce your LLC's pre-tax net income from a million dollars down to $300,000, okay? Now that that $700,000 is going to the trust as a lease payment, that is passive income for the trust, all right? So now we have $300,000 left over in your LLC and you think what do you do now? Well, it was one more expense. Remember, your trust is a 90% member of your LLC. So therefore, the, the LLC needs to re, you know, it needs to compensate the trust for that equity position. So the remaining 90% of the 300000 is going to go over to the trust as a K-1 distribution. So $270,000 goes to the trust as a K-1 distribution, which is passive income. All you have left now in the LLC is just $30,000 from which you're going to calculate your taxes for your LLC. Meanwhile, you've moved $970,000. You've converted that active ordinary income into passive income for the trust. And as I told you about with the capital gains, uh, any passive income coming to the trust can be, can be um, uh, permanently tax deferred. In this case, what you would do as trustee is you declare that on your 1041 uh, tax return, which your trust files every year as an extraordinary dividend, again, in full compliance with IRS code 643B. And then uh, that money stays in the corpus of the trust, tax deferred. So that is the genius of this strategy. And that's how the trust can help you drastically reduce taxes on passive income and ordinary income and how you can have more money in your trust pocket, you can invest, pay for your uh, more trust expenses, and just generally be able to be more profitable because 32% of your money is not going out uh, in the form of taxes. You can use that for to, to generate wealth for you and for your family. Thanks a lot.